is Bloomberg Surveillance. European politics are very fractured and very febrile at the moment, and the UK vote to leave is going to make all of those problems much, much worse. When the Fed raises rates, it has a huge impact on the rest of the world. It's actually very negative for emerging markets. When the dollar goes up, the rest of the world's indebtedness effectively goes up. That means it's that much harder to pay back their debt. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street, 12 noon in the North Sea off the U.K. coast where the Brent crude they're pumping is now at a six-month high. Brent right now going for 48.80, 2% higher on the day. West Texas, 47.12. That is a 2% gain as well on the day. Goldman upgrading its outlook. Phil Verliger on surveillance TV earlier saying Goldman's getting its numbers wrong. A deal in the oil business today, two E&P companies combining range resources to buy Memorial Resource, an all-stock deal valued at $4.4 billion. And we have just had a uh, headline crossing the Bloomberg terminal. Gannett is boosting its all-cash offer for Tribune Publishing to $15 a share. Tribune has not been enthusiastic about that offer earlier. Pfizer acquiring Anacor Pharmaceuticals today, $5.2 billion. So, Merger Monday, that's the news event of the day. But so far, unable to boost shares. S&P uh, futures in the U.S. are flat. Dow futures are flat. Dow, uh, NASDAQ e-mini futures now down two uh, points on the day. That's uh, just under a tenth of a percent. Uh, many markets closed in Europe today for Whit Monday, but encompassing those that are open... The stock 600 is down two points, half a percent on the day. Uh, the curve continues to flatten in the Treasury market here. The two-year note yield is up to 77 basis points. The 10-year up but uh, less, 1.71%. The five-year in the belly of the curve comes in at 1.22%. The dollar trading lower today, 94.561. The euro going for 113.22. The yen, 108.86. Not a lot of change in that whole area. What's interesting is uh, nothing in Western markets reflecting what happened in China over the weekend. Lending, industrial production, retail sales, all missing estimates, yet Shanghai finished up 24 points, eight-tenths of a percent today. Pablo Goldberg is senior strategist for BlackRock's Emerging Markets Debt Team. Uh, Pablo, where's the panic over the Chinese economy, the panic we saw in January, the panic we saw last August? No, well, the panic is no longer there because the Chinese uh, policymakers have been stimulating the economy uh, and generating um, better vibe around uh, the ability of the economy to grow and dispelling some of the fears of, of hard landing. Um, having said that, we get, uh, you know, as you, uh, as you know, some, some press reports about um, maybe some uh, disconnections between uh, the different parts of the policymaking in China. Some ones look, uh, looking for a little less stimulus than was originally envisioned. Um, we got a little bit of a softer April data, but I think the risks of a hard landing in China are not longer with us. So does that take uh, uh, one of the, the things holding the Fed back off the table and make it more likely that the Fed will raise interest rates? Well, I think that takes one of the things that was holding the Fed back for sure. There was basically a volatility in the international markets and particularly volatility around the currency in China. But other things have been added to the Fed, like the continuous weakness of the of the U.S. economy. 
um, and a lack of inflation in the U.S. Uh, so uh, maybe uh, the factors holding the, the Fed behind or the, the Fed put have changed, uh, but not necessarily um, the willingness for the Fed to raise rates in the short term have increased. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee. And Tom Keene, Bloomberg Surveillance this morning, brought to you by Invesco, looking for investment views, experienced experts, so just a click away, go to Invesco.com slash U.S. to subscribe to the Invesco blog and follow at Invesco U.S. on Twitter, at I-N-V-E-S-C-O, at Invesco U.S. on Twitter. Pablo Goldberg with us, uh, with BlackRock. Pablo should we invest in EM? I'm confused by this interview to interview and that there's a lot of economics, but I want to know what to do with my money. What do I actually do with my money in emerging markets? I think that at this point, uh, fixed income is a very uh, good opportunity. We have very low yields around the world with the prospect that these very low yields will continue to be very low. Um, when we discussed you know, a few times in the last few months, um, I was insistent in the idea that the search for yield towards emerging market was going to continue. But what we needed to have was a little bit of the reduction of the um, volatility that we had around these markets. And as was coming before in this interview, uh, stimulus in China, um, the uh, finish of Chinese uh, change in the effects regime uh, towards a more um, a clear uh, kind of effects regime, the risks of recession in the U.S. moving away, those are all good factors uh, bringing investors towards emerging markets. Well, emerging markets uh, have been so responsive to what the central banks of the world have been doing. How much confidence can you have in what their uh, fixed income markets are going to be like if we aren't clear yet what the Fed's going to do, what the ECB is going to do? And, of course, there's always the Bank of Japan risk? Well, uh, uh, clearly, um, you know, the, whatever the ECB, uh, the Bank of Japan do is not going to be tightening monetary policy. They're going to be even easing more or staying put. And in the case of the Fed, it's going to be staying put or tightening a little bit monetary policy over the course of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, any of these configurations of the scenarios are benign for the search for yield. Um, what we needed to be sure is that we were reducing sort of the tail risks that were affecting uh, appetite for emerging markets, particularly in the last quarter of last year and in January of this year. And, and we're pretty confident that these risks have uh, dissipated to a large extent. Uh, we're not saying that, you know, the markets are not, might not become volatile again, uh, but the levels of uh, pricing that we have in this, some of these securities, given uh, the kind of income that is presented in other alternatives in the fixed income world make emerging markets a very good risk-reward opportunity. What? Oh, go ahead, Doug. No, please, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, what, what's the risk underlying, the, the economic fundamental risk in emerging market countries underlying this? Yes, you can search for yield, but is there any danger you'll have the rug pulled out from you locally? No, that is a very good point. And, and, and here is where uh, we are also a little bit uh, more confident that we were in the past. There's two to three important drivers uh, in the fundamental side of emerging markets. Uh, one uh, is commodity prices. And, um, you know, we can discuss exactly where oil should go, um, but we might agree that the chances of oil going below $30 a barrel are very slim right now because everything that has happened on the supply side. So we are a little bit more comfortable by a, a firmer range for um, oil prices. 
Um, second, uh, I think this China stimulus takes one important risk, uh, that is a uh, hardening in China transmitted to the rest of emerging markets. And this will allow um, emerging market central banks to start yeah. cutting rates when they were actually more in the defensive. We're not saying that uh, we're not saying that all the troubles are uh, uh, away for, for emerging markets and they're going to go back to the same growth that we had 10 years ago. But I think that we might start to turn the corner on this continuous slowdown uh, in this economy. Right. Just very quickly, last point, is policy risk. Um, we have had a, a couple of these idiosyncratic events in emerging market making us more positive, the events in Argentina, the events in Brazil, a little bit of a tighten of monetary policy, preventive in nature in Mexico, uh, a little bit of improvements that we've seen in terms of growth in Turkey uh, and in Russia. Uh, again, it does not ne- necessarily need to get a perfect world right. for this asset class to, to perform, given what we're seeing in the alternatives. Yeah. Pablo, thank you so much. Pablo Goldberg Our- with BlackRock uh, this morning. Mike, this out in the last hour, and it's interesting, and also Money Where Mouth is donating $7.5 million to New Orleans into the children, the students of New Orleans. This is J.P. Morgan Chase and Bloomberg LP. This is Michael Bloomberg and James Diamond writing in Bloomberg View today on this amazing conundrum, which, Mike, is is actually almost a follow-on to the community college debate of 30 and 40 years ago, which is educating kids and jump-starting kids' education uh, on the right track on a skills school track. Well, they're writing it, well. um, you know, the jobs are there for people at the yes. upper end and the education is there, but it's the skills in the middle that aren't being taught. The blue collar, uh, kids who, who may not go to college or, or, right. or may not, um, you know, or, 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 but would be above the level of entry level, you know, yeah. uh, jobs. Um, they're, they're not being taught what they need to, to know yeah. for the future. And, and Jeff Sachs, that be done. yeah, Jeff Sachs with an entire book on this from Columbia University, which is so many of us, particularly older, are used to the, uh, the, the community college skill set debate. And here we have J.P. Morgan and Bloomberg trying to take it further. And the incubator for this is New Orleans, what Mitch Landro is doing down there as well. I'll get that out on social here. Michael R. Bloomberg and James Diamond uh, writing for Bloomberg View on the school skills schools are teaching but must. We should, of course, point out that Mr. Bloomberg is the uh, majority owner of Bloomberg LP, that which I believe uh, replaces the tubes that make Bloomberg Radio go so well <laughs> futures up one nasdaq futures go the other way this monday all right this hour of surveillance is brought to you by mount kisco volvo visit mount here's michael barr with headlines mike tom thank you very much hillary clinton is making a big final push for support in kentucky ahead of tomorrow's primary in the state Bernie Sanders hopes to block Clinton's clinching the nomination by adding Kentucky to a string of recent wins. Oregon also votes tomorrow. Presumptive Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump says he probably won't name a running mate until July. However, some of the people being discussed are talking. Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich says he wouldn't give an automatic yes if approached. In an interview with the Washington Post, former presidential candidate Ben Carson, who now supports Trump, says Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Chris Christie, and Sarah Palin are all people 
on our list. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? And Michael, thanks so much. Choose 10 spread, 94.5 basis points. All you need to know is curve flattening over the last 10 days. That'll be one of our themes through the week here on Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Fordham University, the Gabelli School of Business Executive MBA, top-ranked with a renowned professional network. Classes in Columbus Circle or Westchester. Learn more at fordham.edu slash EMBA.